The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Well, howdy. It's just an honor to be here. And uh, for those of you, if this is your first time to Highlands, um, you're probably sensing that there's some kind of talk about this situation and that situation. And uh, for those of you who are here for the first time, uh, the pastor of the church, Graham Beard, has been called to another really plum job in Colorado Springs. It's the fourth largest Presbyterian church, 4,000 members, and uh, it's kind of a plum. But the trouble is, is um, he can't be in two places in, at once, so uh, he's moving from here to there. Now, for some of you, that doesn't matter. I'm the first pastor preaching at Highlands that you've seen, and I talk about Graham, and you think it's like a Graham cracker or something. But, um, and he will be here for the next three uh, weeks or so. And one of the things that Highlands needs to do is just love him and love him out of here. Uh, just enjoy him and have fun with him and uh, say goodbye in all the ways that you need to say goodbye. So that's, uh, that's Graham's story. And the other thing, you, you should have confidence. I've been meeting with your staff and your steering committee. You've, you have awesome leaders in this church. And you saw kind of the staff here. I mean, could you even believe uh, Matt, Matt Fox, he was kind of channeling Bill Murray up here? <laughs> I was kind of amazed. Have you ever seen him like that? I mean, uh, you have. I, I've never seen him like that. I've seen him looking at financials and going, we can't do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, but... This is like, uh, you know, this is like the light side of Matt. It's just lovely. And Katie, of course, uh, and Israel and Richard. You've got a great staff here. And your leaders on the steering. Yeah. And in, the, and in the Presbyterian Church, Graham doesn't get to take the staff with him. So you can console yourself and comfort yourself. You're going to see a lot of the same... Uh, ministry and lovely worship and mission and work with students that you've seen in the past. And uh, you'll probably have an interim pastor. Uh, we're looking for a person like that. That's part of what I do in our churches. We have 32 churches from Malibu and Simi Valley all the way up to Paso and over there to Cambria. And I oversee them. And uh, we do this. The other thing that you should know is God does this too. You know, at, uh, at creation... In case you wondered, I know some of you were there, but most of you weren't. But at creation in Genesis 1, okay, there was chaos, vobu and, and vohu, just chaos. And the Spirit of God moved over that chaos and just created this wonderful universe we have. And back then, millennia ago, God knew that this day would come for Highlands. And God loved Highlands before this. God loves Highlands moving into the future and God has a great plan for Highlands. And I just want to be here today and give you some confidence that that will be there for you. Um, I called up a fellow by the name of Dave Wilkinson the other day and told him we're getting the band together again. And Dave and my predecessor were the two people who uh, actually hired Graham and his brother to come and start Highlands. And so the same core people who found Graham are even now looking at names of potential people to come and fill his shoes. Your steering committee is uh, nominating some people to serve on a, a nominating committee, and so we're going to be 
um, out there uh, looking for the right person and hope to have your permanent person here in a number of months because, of course, we're going to have to recruit them, steal them to this plum church, you know, uh, and uh, then they'll have to say goodbye to their congregation, that kind of thing. So uh, just to let you know that, uh, as Sherlock Holmes would say, the game is afoot. And, but for you as a congregation, some confidence knowing that Jesus is in this. For you as a congregation to just love and care for one another in the middle of this. Um, and for those of you who are here and visiting, keep on coming back. We've got great staff. We've got great preachers. Graham will be here for another month. And then we've got a nice uh, set of preachers coming beyond that. So um, you're, you're in good hands. And whose hands are you in? You're in God's hands. And God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's try that again. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Well, let's see if Scripture tells us that. Philippians 4, 1 to 9. Uh, pray with me. Lord, we need your word. We need your guidance. We need your help. So speak to us. Let your Holy Spirit illumine our hearts and minds that we might see clearly what you would have us learn today. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Oh, and in case you wondered, my job is to actually do this kind of work. And I've done it lots. <laughs> you know, Presbyterian, you know, I'm the executive presbyter. It just means I'm the executive old guy, okay? So, like, presbyopia is old eyes. You didn't need to know that. Okay, Philippians 4, 1 to 9. This is the last section of Philippians. It's the last chapter. Uh, we know by now that Paul is uh, probably in the prison, not in the real luxurious prison that he was in, but in the, the, the worst prison right under Caesar's palace. And he can probably from there see that his life is going to end. And so he is writing a letter to a church that he loves. Uh, he cares for these folks. And all through chapters 1 through 3, they're just... Some of the best, well, how can you say some of the best scripture? Uh, just lovely words of scripture. It talks about Jesus. It talks about their faith. So I encourage you to read Philippians through this week. But by the time we hit to chapter 4, he's kind of wrapping up what he's saying to them. These are the most important things he's going to say is going to be at the end. He wants them to really remember this. And so now he talks to them with this uh, great love. Note the care he he shares. Notice just this affection. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, in Greek, uh, Adelphoi means plural brothers and sisters. Um, used to be brethren. Well, it's, I won't go into that. Okay. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for. Notice Paul, love and long for. He wishes he was there. My joy and my crown. These people are his joy. Wow. Uh, stand firm in the Lord. Uh, this is a place of close relationship, and the apostle really wants his congregation there to know his big last words, stand firm in the Lord. Now, how do you stand firm? Okay, here I am standing. Now I'm standing firm. I mean, what's the deal? Um, Paul is really saying... In your spiritual life and in your life, really put your weight down on Jesus. Now, we kind of know what that looks like in the physical uh, world, in sports. Uh, some of you are in sports, and 
in sports, it really, how, where you put your weight in sports really determines how well you do the sport in many ways. And so if you think of uh, water skiing, in water skiing, you want to put your weight on the back of the ski. You now you want to put all your weight down, and then you'll look cool like this guy. Yeah, I mean, isn't that good? And see, his weight's way back there. And then in tennis, you know, you used to put your weight down, you're going to hit it like this. But, you know, then you'd lose. So they have new ways to do tennis. Now you have to be on your leveraging foot. So, you know, here's this guy. He's going to oh, run that again. Did you run that again already? I got a point to his foot. Why don't you see? See his right foot? He's going to leverage off that foot. So he's putting his weight down on that foot. Now watch this. It's real fast. See? His left foot's up in the air. All of his weight there. He knows where to put his weight to get the leverage. Well, there's a lot to it. But that's what he's doing with tennis. And in sumo wrestling, you want to put your weight on your opponent. Okay? And so there's, uh, there's rest sumo wrestling. See? You want to put your weight on your opponent. Okay? That's very important. And in bungee jumping, you want to put your weight on your gear, which is always good. Put all of your weight on your gear. See? And that's what it looks like. And say goodbye to your friends. Bye. And you have to pay money to do that. So just remember, to, that's, put, that's kind of putting your weight on your gear. And then in surfing, you have to put your weight on where you need to put it in a four-dimensional uh, space-time continuum. So here, here's this guy. He's uh, putting his weight. And watch, see? Here his weight is over there. And now his weight's on his back foot. Now his weight's kicking the back foot up. And he's coming down. Now, he doesn't want to pearl and die down there, so he's stepped back, and now he's out of his way. See, see? So that's a lot of moving your weight around, isn't it? Now, my favorite sport is snow ski. I know when you saw me jump up here, you thought, he's a skier. <laughs> uh, this is me. I'm in the blue. Uh, my guide there, I, I do uh, wilderness skiing. And uh, then uh, between us is Carolina. She's from Norway. And then my son Dave is in the little white shirt. And we've just finished skiing this uh, chute. And uh, it's over in uh, eastern Nevada. And it's a real, you can see our little tracks. And we really look good. And we got down alive, which is nice. And uh, we had a great time. But I love skiing. And if you're skiing, you, uh, there are some things to skiing that you have to do. Some of them are counterintuitive. But if you're going to ski, you're going to have to put your weight down the hill. Now, if you're on the top of the hill on skis and you've never skied, that's a little counterintuitive, isn't it? You want to just lean back. But no, you have to put your weight down. And then when you're learning to turn, you have to be like these guys from 1941 ski school, okay? You have to learn how to snow plow, okay? And so this is how you learn to turn uh, back in 1941, still do today. And what you do is you have to, and then to turn, you have to put your weight on the downhill ski. And it's counterintuitive, but if you don't, and you don't put your weight on the downhill ski, you'll be downhill very fast. <laughs> and that would be a negative. And uh, so there's that. And then, but once you, get, once you figure where to put your weight and you gain confidence, then you do what is called SFTC. You ski fast and you take chances. And so um, that's me just before I fall. Okay, so there's me. I love powder skiing. And uh, then here's some of my friends. But see, you're always putting your weight on the downhill ski to turn, and then, uh, which is nice. And then uh, you might be a rider. 
oh, well, you know, it's just... And then if, even if you do it right, uh, sometimes you have this kind of outcome. And so there's, uh, it's skiing, and uh, it's just lovely. But you have to figure out where to put your weight. In all of the physical world, we're always figuring out how to do this. In the spiritual world, Paul is telling us to put our weight firmly on Jesus Christ. And that means uh, really living our lives knowing that Jesus is holding us up. In your own life, I'm sure you've heard from up here that the spiritual life is built in many ways by uh, some prayer, some Bible reading, uh, some fellowship, uh, worship. These are the kind of things that help uh, when you're standing firm on Jesus. These are all the things that you can do to build up your faith and stand firm with Jesus. And the other thing is like, why even do it? Uh, Why can you stand firm? And so the second thing I'd like to do is just give you a word for this next uh, four or five months to remember. I'm going to pull it out of Christmas and uh, put it right here in May, and it's the word Emmanuel. And Emmanuel is one of the names of Jesus. Remember, he's called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, uh, and Emmanuel is one of his names. And Emmanuel means God with us. And we can put our weight down on him because Jesus is here. He's ready to lift us up and hold us in the middle of these challenging times. And not just for the church, but for you in your life. Uh, Some of you may be going through challenging times in your life. Uh, The job could be hard. There could be hard family situations. There's a lot of things that come and hit us in life, isn't there? A lot of things, big hits in life. And in the middle of that, the way to... Find a new center and stability and a place to stand is knowing Emmanuel. Christ is with us. He's right here with us. Uh, Jesus was actually in the room before you arrived. Uh, Jesus was by your bed before you woke up. Uh, Jesus is there, and he's waiting for us to be with him. Uh, Dallas Willard, who teaches philosophy at USC, uh, wrote a book, and one of his ideas in it called The Divine Conspiracy is he talks about Emmanuel, Jesus with us, and challenges Christians and those who are thinking of becoming Christians to live a life uh, with God life. Whenever you wake up, whatever you do, know that God is there with you in every place. And in that way, you really do stand firm in the Lord. That's standing firm in the Lord. Okay. So, number one, stand firm. Number two, Emmanuel. Remember that. And uh, then uh, we move on to the next passage, uh, section of the passage. We're going to stand firm, God with us. And now we have this. What is this? I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche, these are two women's names, to be of the same mind in the Lord. So, it looks like there's some trouble in the church. Uh, Yes, and I ask you also, true, loyal companion, help these women, for they have labored beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement. It's nice to know about Clement. Uh, Clement wrote a couple of epistles. You can actually still get them today and read them. They just weren't quite in the Bible. It's like these these are the letters that were written just right after the Bible was formed and decided that this is the Bible. So Clement and the rest of my coworkers, whose names are in the book of life. So here we go. 
We've got Euogia and we've got Syntyche to be of the same mind. Now they're fighting. What's the deal with that? I mean, have you ever been in a church where there was a fight? Or some disagreement? You know, of course, that's probably the church you used to go to because now you're here and we never fight at Highlands, right? But who knows about these? I mean, uh, they can arise. You know, Graham's going to leave. He runs this thing with an iron hand. Well, not. Um, and, you know, uh, are there going to be fights at Highlands? Well, no, they're not because I'm here whenever you need me. Uh, I won't be moving up here. You don't worry about that. You won't have to hear me every Sunday. Okay. But um, who knows what they're fighting about? It, they could be fighting over Sunday school curriculum. They could be fighting over um, uh, whether you get coffee in, the, in, in this hall. I see a lot of coffee in the hall, so I guess you're not fighting. But there will always be someone who thinks that you shouldn't have coffee in the sanctuary. And once Graham leaves, they're going to come out of the woodwork. <laughs> Euodia and Syntyche, we don't know what they were fighting about. Maybe they were fighting about, we need more hymns in church. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's, or, or the design of the new building. You know, you've been through a big... A lot of people think, well, should we have a sanctuary? What should it look like? There's been a lot of discussion. Uh, your, your steering committees just faced a, a big challenging time around that. So just bless them, pray for them. Uh, they're such a good, solid group of people. And they had, they had a good, healthy church fight. Then they voted, and then it's over. Remember that. Those of you who think it isn't over. But, see, someone got it. Yeah, okay, good. Stay with me now. Okay. Euodia and Syntyche. Uh, problem people in the church. Um, and notice the response. The church is to care about these women. Notice the person who's reading this. Uh, and, and guess what? Look at who these women are. Uh, they've labored beside me in the work of the gospel. These are faithful people in the church. And uh, together with Clement, even names the name of a good person. And the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. Their names are in the book of life. Of course, we got even with them, didn't we? I have never once met a child named Euodia or Syntyche. I've met a lot of Jacobs and Marys, and, uh, but no one calls their children Euodia and Syntyche. So we got even with those women. But um, I like that, whose names are in the book of life. Any of you want your name to be in the book of life? Give me an amen if you do. Yeah. I want my name in the book of life. But guess what? Who gets to choose whose names are in the book of life? God does. Paul says their names are in the book of life. You, Odia, and Syntyche, their names are in the book of life. Well, I want to try and set that up a little bit so you get a sense of what that's probably like. Um, I want to imagine you to imagine for a minute that you are... Um, you're a vice president uh, of a warehouse for Apple, okay? A vice president in charge of a warehouse at Apple. No, not those apples. Matt, Matt, not those apples. Uh, that apple, okay? Apple computers, okay? So say you're a vice president, and you've got a big job. You just ship 10 million iPads. I mean, is this a big job or what? Can you imagine that if you were vice president in charge of shipping, you would have a big job? It's a big job. You've got to ship all this stuff. And in order to have people there, you know, in summer you have uh, interns from the universities and they come in and they're younger than everyone. 
and uh, you're doing a real good job. You just shipped 10 million iPads, and that's really good. But you got a couple of interns, and they're fighting. You actually had to call them into your office because they were fighting, real fighting. And, but they're interns, you know, just whatever, interns. And so you're in your office, and you've just shipped all those iPads, and you're feeling good, and you get a call, and it's a call uh, from, the, from the top of... Uh, Apple Computer. Now, it used to be Steve Jobs was the uh, president of Apple Computer, but now it's Tim Cook, and Tim Cook is the president of Apple Computer. Uh, We put Apple up here and these folks up because they are giving us a donation towards a Zimbabwe trip, you know, as a kind of a placement, a product placement at Highlands. Stay with me, okay. But anyway, Tim Cook, he's the president. So you get a call from Tim Cook's secretary in your warehouse office. And the secretary says, Tim Cook wants to see you right away. Come up right away. You have to come up right away. And so you're sitting there going, this is either really good or really bad. Because Tim Cook called you. And so maybe it's a promotion or you're going to get fired. You're just not sure. So you drop everything, get in the elevator, go up to the 97th floor of the Apple building. I think they only have five floors, but it feels like 97 floors. You're on your way. Your pulse... And you go in and you think you'll have to wait in the outside room. But instead, the first secretary says, oh, go right on past those eight secretaries. You just go, he's waiting for you. And you kind of go, oh, this is either really good or really, really bad. And so you go in and Tim gets up from his desk and he comes and he shakes your hands. Come on in, sit down. So great to have you here. You kind of go, oh, this is starting okay. And then you, uh, you sit down and Tim looks at you and says, oh. Great job shipping all those iPads. Wow. You know, we couldn't have done it without you. And you're doing a great job. And you're going, oh, this is a good meeting. Thank God. And uh, I'll go to church next week. Yes, I will. Okay, thank you, Lord. And uh, so, and then uh, Tim looks at you and says, but, you know, I've heard that you've got a problem down there with some of the interns. And that two of them have been fighting. And that's a real problem. We just can't have that at Apple Computer. Can't have people fighting at Apple Computer, you know. And uh, so you're kind of going, oh, Tim Cook says, i got to do something, so I'm going to deliver. So you, you just kind of, you're thinking already what you're going to do. And uh, you're going to go down, and you know that human resources is on the third floor. You're going to stop in there, get a couple pink slips. These interns are out of there. There's no going to be any more fighting. They're not even going to be there. And you know that as you get to the first floor, the security, so you pick up a couple of the local security guys. They'll come in. They'll lift these guys by the scruff of their neck, take them out and drop them by the, drop them by the curb, and they'll be out of your hair, and Tim Cook will be happy. And you got it all planned, and say, okay, Tim, I can handle it. And so uh, you can, the meeting's kind of over. You know, you can tell when a meeting's over. So you're walking out, and uh, Tim says, oh, hey, uh, you know, we haven't talked uh, with one another about who we are. Uh, and so he comes around. you kind of going, oh, this is good. And you sit down. He's got a little sitting area. And you sit down. And Tim says, uh, tell me about your family. You tell him about your family. And he says, oh, hey, let me tell you about my family. And he pulls out his wallet. And he opens it up. And in his wallet, there are two photos. And they're the two interns that were fighting in your office. And their pictures are in Tim Cook's wallet. And he says, this is my family. Just wanted you to know. Closes the office. So then, have a nice day. Doesn't that change how you're going to deal with those interns? 
all of a sudden you're remembering, you're not going to stop at the human resources or security. All of a sudden you're remembering all of those courses you took at Stanford or at USC or whatever, uh, and you, you know, how to mentor young budding entrepreneurs. You're remembering all of those courses on uh, psychology and you know, how to, and you know you're kind of a little rough guy because you're a warehouse person and uh, could, oh, but I've got to, you're going to have to bring your best game to these interns, aren't you? It completely changes how you deal with one another, doesn't it? Because you know that their pictures are in Tim Cook's wallet. Well, men and women, you need to know that your pictures, every single one of your pictures, are in God's wallet. And that's how precious you are to God. And when we deal with one another, the way we deal with one another needs to be of this enormous kindness, bringing the best person that we are to embrace the people that we may find that we either disagree with or that we have to help uh, uh, moderate uh, people who are disagreeing. So, names in the book of life. So we're going to stand firm. We're going to remember Emmanuel. God is with us. We're going to remember that our names and other people's names are in the book of life. And then we're going to uh, take a look at the rest of the scripture. After encouraging them to stand firm in Jesus and kind of airing the dirty laundry of the church, which isn't very good, is it? Uh, Paul puts a big finish, and the big words here, rejoice or joy and peace. And so rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Well, they don't feel like rejoicing. Paul's just aired the church's dirty laundry. But he says it again, rejoice. Notice that the byproduct of rejoicing then is what? It's not happiness, it's gentleness. Notice the gentle spirit. Gentleness be known to everyone. For the Lord is near. That's where this Emmanuel image is coming from. This idea of the Lord is near, the Lord is with us. And then... Wonderful words. Some of you have uh, memorized these. Do not worry about anything. So instead of worry, what do we do? In everything, we pray and we supplicate. That's asking God for things with thanksgiving. We're thankful to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Instead of worry, go quickly to praying. And, uh, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding... And that's the, there's a peace available to us as we put our weight firmly on Jesus and know that Christ is enough. And it's a confidence that we have, not because uh, I'm in control or working or, or um, other people are in control or even that the staff is so awesome or even that your elders and your steering committee is so competent, but it's a confidence in the Lord. Finally, brothers, and I love this. Wow. Uh, when you're kind of depressed and you're just looking out and thinking of everything. If you're counting all of the problems, start counting the blessings and name them one by one. And here's a way to do that. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put into practice, and what? The God of peace will be with you.
And so that's it. It's some simple things. It's some basic things about the Christian life. There's a famous story of Vince Lombardi in the Green Bay Packers. And uh, the Green Bay Packers were a very, very famous team for many years. I hope they lose some of that fame soon. Um, 49ers, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just lost half the congregation. Um, but Vince Lombardi and the, 49, and the Green Bay Packers. Um, the Green Bay Packers were having a real tough year one year, just string after string uh, or game after game of losses. And so Vince Lombardi at halftime, his team was just playing poorly. And he uh, went in at halftime and he picked up a football and he looked at the players. And he says, gentlemen, this is a football. Are there any questions? And one of the players says, um, Coach, would you go over that again slowly? <laughs> the simple thing about life and the Christian life is just stand firm in Jesus. Know that Jesus is with you. Rejoice, rejoice. Your names are in the book of life, so treat each other with gentleness and kindness and focus on the blessings that God has given. That's, that's the football. That's the simple part of the gospel. And that's God's word for us today. Pray with me. Let's stand as we pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for your love and kindness. We ask that you would be with us in this time of transition. With Graham and Starr moving on, we ask for your blessing upon them. We thank you that we get to enjoy them for another three, four weeks and that we get to um, hear from Graham his words for us, his encouraging words as, uh, as uh, he moves on. We ask that you would prepare the church that he's going to and bless them as he arrives. Lord, he's going to have to step up his game so much for this big church. And uh, we pray that you would give him wisdom and encouragement that he would also be able to stand firm in you and know that you're with him and be able to rejoice in the challenges of this move. And Lord, somewhere on this planet, you have a person that you've already identified as being the next pastor at Highlands. We pray that through all of our prayers and our looking and our concern, that that person that you have in mind would be the person we find and discover and move, moves Highland on into the great adventure ahead. Help us to be stars. Help Highlands to be a light on the hill. Help Highlands to be salt in the earth. And help us to sing your great praise. For you are good all the time. All the time. You are good. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.